What you missed on Weekend Mornings with Jason Dacey. You're with me, Jason Dacey on Money FM 89.3 in the company of former CNN international anchor Glenn Van Zeffen, CEO of Van Media Group here in Singapore. He is a often time contributor here to Money FM, but we're going to put him on the spot, Glenn, and get your five points for presentation for Singapore business leaders, five things that they can do to try and present better. When we first think of presentation, I think it's important to frame how we want to communicate, right? And I've developed something called the four C's of communication, clear, concise, consistent, and hopefully captivating. The media environment that we're in right now is so jam-packed full of everybody trying to make noise. When you get on your Facebook feed, right, mm. or you, your LinkedIn feed or your Twitter feed, everyone is putting out, oh, I was doing this today. Yes. Oh, I was helping those people. And, and, and that's cool. You know, that's great. We need to know what people are doing. But everyone's trying to make an impact. So how can we as individual uh, business leaders uh, make sure that people hear and understand what we're trying to say? So a, a couple imperatives that when I work with executives across ASEAN that we talk about, and that is, you know, first off, who is the audience you're trying to talk to? As we all know, in our lives, we have many different stakeholders that we need to reach, mm. everything from our, our family, our kids and our wives, our husbands, all the way up to uh, our, our business colleagues, all the way up to potential clients or customers, those sorts of things, the board members. Now, in order for them to make sure that they hear and remember what we're saying, we need to structure our communication in a way that is very easy for people to understand. And we need to make sure that the verbal content, the things we say, match up with the physical presentation. For example, things like eye contact mm. or body movement yep. or the way that we physically talk to people and interact with them, especially when we're in person or on a TV interview, for example. Yep. So these are some of the biggest things. One of the biggest challenges I've found, Jason, in working with executives uh, around around the world is that they know too much. They know too much about their company, um, their topic, their business, their product. Mm. Why that's a problem is when they go to communicate to certain audiences, most audiences don't need 100% of information. So they just like bring out the information in a kind of torrent. It becomes a waterfall, <laughs> right? It just <laughs> right, whooshes right. out there, yeah. right? And, and it's not nice to have that. I mean, I, I know exactly what, you've, uh, what you're saying. And I think we've been in conferences together when you've kind of nudged me with your elbow and said, hey, Chase, this is, this is just too much. You, you know from being a communicator, from being a journalist for many years, that when you tell a story, you need to understand what's truly important to tell about the story mm, mm. and what are the things that come maybe later in the story or further down if somebody wants more information or yes. clarification. The pyramid it's model, right? The pyramid model, right? Or the inverse pyramid yeah. model, right? And it's the same with um, any executive who's talking about their company or talking about um, what it is they do trying to sell. So I've come developed something called the 80-20 rule, which – as we, as we work in, in workshops and conferences together, 80% of what uh, a, uh, an executive knows about their company or topic is probably not useful mm -hmm. to an audience that they're speaking to. Yes. They need to look for that 20% or 10% that really hits the sweet spot. Yes. We, I saw this just last week um, as an aside. I was working on Thursday and Friday. I ran a communications workshop for 24 um, local international school um, uh, administrators. Yep. And they have a very interesting job in that, of course, their first and 
most important group of uh, stakeholders are the kids they teach, right? Mm. But then they also have to talk to parents who are very concerned about their kids. Then they also have to talk to the other, other administrators or teachers in the school. So they have a complex set of messages and communication moments that they have to go through. And it was really interesting to see how dedicated these uh, educational pr- professionals are to making sure they get those messages right mm. and that they're clear and concise and, and consistent and captivating as well. Yep. So we're just recapping the four C's of communication. That's one of your five tips. The other one is communication imperatives for every speaker and the 80-20 rule, making sure that you're giving out the most uh, important information. What else have you got? Strategize, right? Before you go into a speech, a conference, uh, an interview with the media, the individual who's giving that information, the CEO or the, or the educator or whoever it is, needs to really do sit down and, and have a a hard look at what it is they want to communicate that day. Mm. And so this would be maybe uh, days in advance or weeks in advance, if hopefully, if, if possible. Look at, look at who the audience is. Look at what messages they, that audience wants to hear, not just what we want to push on them, but what they really want to hear. Mm. And then sit down and, and, and create sort of a dialogue, how you think the dialogue should go. And then the other part of that is practice it, you know, across the table from a communications expert, a pal, uh, somebody in the office that, that does Marcoms. You know, this is a super important part of this um, process is to make sure that you, um, you know and understand what, what it is you need to say and how you need to say it and you have some practice time to do it. And the last topic I would just mention is th- this whole idea of when very difficult questions come to mm. an executive that either they don't want to answer or they're not able to answer. Yeah. This idea of just saying no comment just doesn't work. And it, <laughs> honestly, it hasn't worked for years. Let's be truthful about yeah. that. But it is such an emotionally charged, especially when you're talking to journalists, mm. but, but talking to regular audiences too. You know, when somebody says no comment, what does that indicate to a listener? Uh, the person is lying. Mm-hmm. They're trying to hide something. Mm-hmm. They're not connected to what's going on yeah. in the uh, in the industry, whatever it is. So, um, I do have a framework uh, that that I take um, executives through to to not comment about something without saying no comment. Yeah. So let's delve in that a bit further because we've both been journalists and got the no comment um, reaction. Uh, so what do they say? If they don't say no comment, they don't want to talk about something, how do they approach that? Okay. I won't give you all the secret sauce on this. <laughs> but what I will say, it, 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 the framework looks a little bit like, first of all, acknowledging hard questions. Mm. If, if you, let's say you as a journalist ask me a hard question, I should, I should actually kind of be thankful in a way yeah. because the question that you're asking me is probably a question that's on the minds of other people. In the case of a, a business uh, doing some sort of a deal or whatever, this could be a question that's on the minds of a lot of people. So I should accept that question uh, and, and recognize it as a good question. Secondly, is if I'm not going to answer it, I should say why, mm. right? I can't answer it, Jason. I'm not the right person to answer. You know, the mm. CEO should. Mm. Or I can't answer. The, the information isn't public. Right. Um, or our company policy says we just don't answer these types of mm. questions. So give a reason, right? But then the second – then the third part of this is you really need to make sure that you bridge to something that you can talk about, something that's useful to the journalist related mm. to that question mm, mm. Uh, so that the journalist feels uh, – or, or it could be an audience member too at a yeah. conference or yeah. whatever, right? In a Q&A session. 
so that they feel like they've um, been respected and that they feel like they get some information back. Mm. There's a little bit more to it, but I'm not going to talk about it on there. <laughs> yeah, of course, they can, they can get your services uh, outside. But what about the yes-no uh, questions when the, you know someone like a journalist, we, let's say we ask a, a question with a yes-no answer, and is it important for that person to do, answer directly? We've seen politicians avoid saying yes or no to certain contentious questions. Would you advise business leaders to, to be quite direct when they answer and saying yes or no? You and I, I think, are in an interesting position because I know you've done some consulting work as well in, in this kind of uh, coaching um, mm. uh, in, in your career. Yep. And coming to this as a former journalist, uh, you know, everyday international working journalist, I always feel like executives should be honest. And if they know an answer, they should give an answer. Right, right. right. And they, you know, obviously never try to lie to any audience, mm. a journalist or otherwise. But also I feel it is important that once they have, once they have answered, that they, that they kind of expand on that with, a, with a, a, an anecdote, a story, data, other kind of information that, that give weight or give useful information to mm. the audience that's listening, whoever that is. So I think yes, to answer your question, a yes or a no, <laughs> I think is a positive thing. But I don't think they should stop right there. Yeah. I think that they should then add on something that's mm. of value to that discussion. And one thing that I think you just touched on there, the value of anecdotes, of stories, of storytelling, and how it really can paint a picture and get your message across. Uh, can you talk about that a bit? Stories are so important, and, and this idea of storytelling has been a very popular one for years now, right? Yeah. And maybe almost to the point of being a little bit cliche if we talk about, oh, you have to be a good storyteller. Mm. But it is true. Mm. You know, people do remember a story that touches them in some way. Yeah. For example, look at look at the TED Talks, you know, that are always so popular. They're great, yeah. They almost always start with some kind of a personal story or mm. experience mm. to connect with the audience, to bring in what their point is with the audience. So stories are important. Stories do make sense. Um, one of my uh, one of my clients is a, is a, a government agency, and they deal with a lot of data about the economic situation. And data is important, but it's boring. Mm. It's really boring mm. after a while, mm. and people's eyes glaze over, right? <laughs> So how can people in this particular uh, part of the government talk about the impact, uh, the impact that some of this data has had on people's lives, right? So talk about the people. Talk about mm. if, the, if the economy is rising, talk about how that's worked out for a certain yeah. family, a specific family. I like the way that they do that, um, you know, BBC, CNN. They'll pick just a particular family and say this family has been impacted by this economic policy in this way. And you'll see them at the, their house and, you know, they're struggling to make ends meet. To me, that's very powerful because it's exactly underlining what you're trying to say rather than hitting someone with like uh, stats and numbers and, and you, 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 your eyes are glazing over. On business news networks, of course, stats and numbers are great. Everybody mm. wants to hear them and see them and they're understand. Important. They're yeah. important. But they're not the only game in town. And you're absolutely right. You know, personalizing any kind of stories, whether it's about – a personal story about somebody else or about yourself mm. is is very impactful and very memorable. And again, getting back to the clear, concise, consistent, captivating communication that we hope uh, people will have, this is one of those things that can play into that. And finally, how do Singapore business leaders compare to other parts of Asia when it comes to their communication and presentation skills? Have they improved in your time here? You've been here more than a decade. Yeah, I've been here 14 years, started originally with CNBC Asia here when I came here from um, CNN International in the U.S. And so started as a journalist and then about 12 years ago started consulting. And the changes I've seen in the in the C-suite structure, especially in 
Singapore have been very significant. It used to be when we came to Singapore, if there was a global company here with a, an office here, the boss of the the boss of it was a sixty year old white guy from right. North America, yeah, Europe, yeah. Australia, wherever. Yeah, right? Yeah. That has drastically changed, mm. as it should, which is good. As companies have localized more, and of course, you know, many Singaporeans or Malaysians or Indonesians have traveled uh, extensively, have lived overseas, studied studied in North America, studied in Europe, studied wherever, and they are absolutely perfect. Perfectly capable, but there is a disconnect in the style of communication between um, many Asian cultures and many international, um, you know, Western cultures. Mm. So, this there needs to be some decisions made by the executive. Do they want to have a local style, kind of more uh, local style of communication, or do they want to have a bigger sort of international style? And this is where I've seen. Um, the differences between the ones that are truly effective communicating on a global stage and the executives that just want to communicate more on a local stage. I've been speaking to Glenn Van Zeffen, the CEO of Van Media Group, former CNN international anchor and producer. Many thanks for sharing some of your wisdom here on Weekend Mornings. Jason, thanks for having me on.